Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Good afternoon, everyone. Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here once again with the last week in mortgage today, our weekly whirlwind through all the latest and greatest happenings in the mortgage industry. Each week, you know by now, pleased to be joined by one of our brilliant lender members as my co-host. And this week, back in the co-pilot seat, the COO of Loan People, and as you can see by her gear, big Tampa Bay Bucks fan, Aaron D. Aaron, hey, how's it going? <laughs> um, always like to let our co-host level set for the audience. Uh, just to, if you could, take us through Loan People, a little bit about uh, the company size, channels, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So Loan People is just over two years old now. We started January of 2020. So we are are born and bred of the pandemic, as I like to say. Um, It's been a a fun ride. We did 835 million last year. So, um, you know, our first year out was obviously just getting things going. Second year was focusing on growth, adding branches. We're strictly retail at this point. We don't have a any TPO originations. We are based in Austin, Texas, and we serve uh, our Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado, and soon to be a few other states as well. So we're we're working on that growth progress now. It's been a very, very fun two years and ready to kind of see what the next few years <laughs> challenges have for us. Starting a mortgage company, just uh, you know, at the very beginning of what ended up being the biggest year in the history of residential lending in what is, you know, one of the two or three hottest housing markets in America. It's like, okay, the race started and we're off. Turned yeah. out to be, I mean, that had to be crazy getting the company going. One with the pandemic hitting a couple months later, and then just the crush of volume that ensued right after. Eight, who does 835 million as a startup company in their first year? <laughs> what well, was our second year? We did 567 yeah, our first year. <laughs> yeah. So that had to be wild and something yeah. you'll be talking. We'll be we'll be talking about that over over adult beverages for 15 or 20 years. So yes. um well, let's get right into it. And as always, any questions, comments, thoughts, any of our attendees have, please feel free to pump them in the chat of the QA and we'll incorporate them into the show. But uh, Aaron, let's get into the latest news headlines as we are now into the new year. The biggest news in general of the 2022 so far has just been the rate hikes, um, the the delivery fee hikes from FHFA on second homes and high balance conforming loans sold to Fannie and Freddie. Ironically, most in the industry viewing this as a positive, an increase in LLPAs. But And that's because what we've heard Sandra Thompson talk about is uh, that this is likely the beginning of a more, more holistic review of uh, Fannie Freddie delivery fees and likely some relief in other and much more needed areas. Is that the way you're viewing it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the last time I was on this show, I believe I, you you were asking me about some of Biden's policy plans. And I remember saying, I wish they would be focusing more on homeownership. And I think that we're seeing this here. Um, I think that if they're going to truly stick to what I'm hearing, that they're going to basically subsidize you know, the first time home buyer, the higher higher LTV borrower by cutting or reducing LLPAs on those loans because they're getting more revenue from the second home investment properties. Um, I think that's great. I think that's helping towards the focus of what their mission is. And so I, I, I do see that as a positive. Um, the other 
side to it is that with the um, the PSPA adjustments that they made last year with the caps on second and investment properties, that really brought out the PLS market. And, you know, so the PLS market is fired up and, and I'm already starting to see some really great things from that side to come in and kind of take over some of those second homes. So I think it's really great getting private money in and also helping the, the GSEs to focus on home ownership for first-time home buyers and, and more affordable housing. Yeah, and that's the flip side of it is also that the the secondary secondary market, the private label security market, as you noted, uh, already a lot of big strides in that area for things like second homes and high balance conforming. Mm-hmm. So really, you know, we had some members that were belly aching about it, but I think it was you know just some like uh, Calabria. PTSD. And (laughs) (laughs) this is a, you know, I think an administration that uh, regardless of your political persuasion, they're trying to be more transparent uh, with housing, knowing how important it is and, uh, you know, how integral it is to advancing some of the housing goals of the, of the broader administration. So we'll see what happens, but uh, more than likely uh, some further news on delivery fees coming down the pike. And we just got Sandra Thompson confirmed as a keynote for TMC Miami uh, coming up in March. So that's awesome. uh, I love her. I think, I think she's really great for the, for the industry, especially coming off Calabria. She seems collaborative. Um, And then also, you know, just the fact that they gave us until April for these changes in LPAs versus tomorrow, right? It's, it's, she's just night and day. We love her. I'm glad to see that you have her as a speaker. I'm looking forward to seeing her. Yeah. We had her virtually speak at our last event and she was great. She was just, you know, took, Q&A from uh, some board members of ours, lenders that they asked questions and was just really open and transparent. And uh, yeah, looking forward to having her once again. And uh, Angie Scarpino from our team just put the link in the chat to uh, our conference page. I believe early bird registration is only open for a few more days. We're at the uh, beautiful Fountain Blue in Miami in late March. So looking forward to that as well. So uh, Aaron, moving on. Um, the Fed tightening, tapering, um, you know, we've had some inflationary numbers that, uh, you know, starting to raise eyebrows uh, inside our industry and outside of it. And I think that's all led to mortgage rates being at their highest level. And I think it was 20 months I saw. thirty. Yeah. Year, it's crazy that 30-year fixed rates that are like three and a quarter or three, three or three, four are the highest They've been in 20 months, but, uh, you know, with, with how low rates have been throughout the pandemic, it's, you know, had some impact on refis, certainly, and business yes. more broadly. And, um, you know, most people anticipating a slightly increasing 30-year fixed rate climate uh, throughout this year to somewhere in the mid to high threes to approaching 4%. And your thoughts on just the rate climate, how it's impacted your volume and business and anything else fed or rate related. Yeah. You know, it's, it's definitely going to be an adjustment for us. You know, we've, we've always been more purchase business focused. So we're hoping that it doesn't have the extreme impact that it's had on some other lenders who spent the last 18 months really focused on bringing them refis, I think it'll definitely have a bigger impact on them. Um, You know, for us, though, it's good, you know, from a competitive standpoint, when we have a borrower locked in, the chances of them shopping and getting a lower rate two days later from another lender is a little bit slimmer. Fortunately, I was I was sharing out with my my loan officer teams the picture of the bond market since the first trading day in January. And it was just basically like, 
whoops, almost a straight line down. So, you know, it definitely is going to impact us. You know, we're used to this though. This is kind of the cyclical nature of, of what we deal with in mortgage. And so, you know, all we as a company can do is know that margins are going to compress. It's going to get more competitive out there and we have to manage our company because it's it's going to get a lot tougher out there uh, for a while. And it's 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 going to, I, I do think we're going to be closer to the fours. The way the market's been going, I could be wrong, who knows? Um, but I think we're going to be way closer to the fours at the end of the year than the high threes. Yeah, good point on just the pipeline and, you know, you have rates that go up a little bit. It's been so long since it happened. You remember that there is a benefit to it. Uh, you know, it's, you know, more pull through on loans in your pipeline that that is profitable in, in a couple different ways and purchases less likely to walk than refis as well. So you have these big refi pipelines in the last couple of years and rates bouncing below two and a quarter and two and three quarters. You get a spike down. 25, 35, 40 basis points from where somebody's locked, more temptation to, uh, you know, uh, take the loan next door, but uh, not that kind of climate. Another point, though, too, is in this kind of new normal of, you know, primarily purchase business, uh, you know, as where you're located and where you're doing business, uh, much more important as well. And with you guys in that red hot Austin market, I mean, honestly, I, I mean, my guess is that your purchase volume even though we're in winter, even though rates are up, probably unaffected just based on the sheer demand where you guys do a lot of your volume. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we fortunately don't, aren't seeing the extreme uh, volatility from, you know, from month to month now that we're into January and February. Um, that's definitely the case. It's it's also very competitive though here. So, cause a lot of people want to be here and, you know, we, we even the, the new conforming loan limits helped us out a lot but it's still, there's a, a lot of jumbo space, a lot of play in the jumbo market here. And, you know, those aren't necessarily always as, um, you know, good to the margins. So, you know, it's definitely good. There's a ton of business and I, I am very, very happy that we're blessed to be in this market, but it's still pretty tough because a lot of people want to be here, but it could be way worse. Yeah. And we were kind of talking before we went live, you got a lot of businesses that are coming there, Tesla yeah. and whatever the hell Facebook's called now. And <laughs> Meta something, <you> know. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely handle this reality. I don't need another reality. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's well put. Exactly. So, um, but uh, in, already people want to move to Austin, Texas, but then you got more people coming there because, you know, uh, headquarters are getting moved there. And it's just my guess is like the suburbs are just expanding out like we saw with Nashville over the course of the last 10 years. Denver, to a certain degree, is Austin kind of getting built out outside the city. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's safe to say that the the San Antonio MSA and the Austin MSA are very close to being one giant MSA. And, you know, that area between Austin and Dallas, uh, you know, with Waco there, that's growing really fast, too. So it's we're definitely seeing it for sure. I know my beloved Cleveland Browns, our quarterback, Baker Mayfield, calls Austin home. And uh, after what was a very tough year for him, he uh uh, I mentioned uh, in some interview that he was going back to Austin to a uh, little R&R before uh, getting surgery on whatever the hell's wrong with him. So uh, take take good care of him if you if you see him down there. So absolutely. If I if I see him hanging out in Lake Travis, I'll be sure to tell him you said hi. <laughs> oh, too funny. Um, the uh, going back to the news headlines, the FHFA. Uh, kind of came out this past week to the GSEs and who had submitted their duty to serve plans for 22 through 24, their duty to kind of serve their mission statements. And 
what we're seeing that FHFA has been the regulator of Fannie and Freddie, um, but there's been a little, I guess, accountability, enforcement of things um, ever since they went into conservatorship in 08 and 09, seeing a much different climate now where FHA has made several different headlines, you know, over the course of the last six, seven months, uh, first around, you know, wanting to implement more aggressive goals on affordable housing targets uh, for the GSEs. And uh, this past week kind of coming out and saying, hey, back to the drawing board on your duty to serve plans. Uh, thanks, but no thanks. Try a little harder. And uh, yeah, there was a lot in there. If you read through it, just feedback from affordable housing groups and wanting to dig a little deeper on things like uh, manufactured homes and to get a little bit more creative. And I applaud that. I mean, I, you know, I think that uh, for a long time, the agencies have been running the same playbook on affordable housing and affordable housing initiatives. And I think what FHFA is saying is let's, uh, let's uh, dig under the rocks a little bit more, get a little bit more creative. Yeah, I agree. I think it's great. Uh, you know, I think one component, though, that needs to be of that is if you're especially trying to get into some of those smaller, smaller, you know, rural areas, things like that, you know, you have to do something that will focus on the lenders that are local to there. And they may not always be big enough to be Fannie Freddie. And so what we need to see not only is that creativity coming from the GSEs, but we need them to work with their sellers who have TPO channels to make sure that 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 they're offering these out to maybe some of these smaller lenders that that aren't selling direct to have access to them, right? So, so for me, and this has always kind of been the issue when there's a really great initiative at the GSE level. Take eNotes for example. You know what's being done to pass that down through aggregators as well, so that smaller or more you know bigger population can take advantage of of what they have to offer. So, like I said, I think it's great. You know, having a focus on being able to help homeowners help in those areas that maybe don't get that reach, mobile hose, housing, things like that, especially when you see what's going on in, in Austin and other areas, it's becoming so unaffordable for so many people. And, you know, for a while when we had rates in the twos, you could explain away and say, hey, you, you know, maybe prices are going up, but rates are so low where it's actually really still affordable when you look at the monthly payment. Um, but now with the rates going up, that argument is going to start to go away. So anything that they can do to be more creative is, is well welcomed for us. That's a great point. In, in a year and a half of doing this show every Tuesday, we've been talking about affordable housing, affordable housing initiatives. That's the first way I've really heard it put that way. And quite frankly, something I think I've overlooked is you're right. I mean, a lot of these affordable housing initiatives are funneling through Fannie and Freddie um, and then kind of by proxy to some of the aggregators that buy loans and, you know, and, and sell to them. But uh, not always. And you're right. A lot of lenders don't sell to Fannie and Freddie. And it's typically smaller ones that are the ones that, in theory, are going to be really more ingrained in the community. If it's your community bank or your small independent mortgage bank or a credit union. And that's great feedback and something I haven't thought entirely about is, and you know, what? that wasn't listed in the FHA's kind of duty to serve redo uh, statement that they put out. But I could see it almost being implied in it now that you made all those very valid points. Yeah, I think I try once in a while. Uh, no, so, you know, it's almost, I look at it like with the CRA, right? Um, you know, a lot of times if you're selling to Chases and Wells and Cities uh, with the banks, they'll have CRA initiatives where you can do, you know, a buy-up to be able, so they can get those loans for their book. I mean, I envision something similar to that could be feasible. There's a lot smarter, more creative people than me out there. <laughs> yeah, and it's not me either, but you have my wheel spinning now. This is something <laughs> I'm going to 
make a note about and dig a little deeper on and talk to our contacts with Fannie and Freddie as well about, because that's a very good point. So this is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative, joined this week by Loan People COO, Aaron D. Aaron, uh, some news that just came out today, uh, two kind of correlated stories, delinquencies now at pre-pandemic levels. Uh, So the mortgage delinquency rate nationally now lower than it was before the pandemic started. And when you think about all the employment disruption, everything that's changed in this country, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, And two, that the inventory of foreclosed homes uh, at a seven-year low. So at least as it relates to housing and housing in America, a full and total recovery uh, from where we were prior to the pandemic. And you know, a big part of this is people just have so much equity in their homes. And I know a lot of our lenders really looking at this as uh, one offsetting component to all the projections that we're seeing on volume being down. But some of the advantages that will be afforded if it's cash out refinances or second mortgage lending or uh, rehab or renovation loans, a lot of opportunities that uh, will blossom uh, in the 2022 year. Uh, Your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, to me, I'd like to see the numbers a little bit deeper, though, on the surface. Obviously, they sound great. But like you said, a lot of people have equity. And so maybe instead of being in a bad situation, uh, you know, they're selling or, you know, something like that. And so, you know, I would like to see, is it truly because people are in a far better economic position? Uh, or is it because they have the equity to be able to get out before things go delinquent and and, and they go into foreclosure? You know, and, and the only reason I bring that point up is just there's a lot of other headlines out there that talk about people's negative sentiment. We're talking about the great resignation of, you know, what, what's going on. We're having all-time low participation in the labor force. So for me, I, I obviously that's great news. I would love to see kind of some more intent numbers uh, behind the scenes on those, if you know, before being fully happy about it. Another good point. I was just talking about this with Rob Crisman on the show I do on Fridays with him. Just these employment numbers that are coming out, it's it's almost impossible to make sense of them. And, you know, talking with him about like there has to be a better way to, you know, the the way that we view job growth and new jobs and the unemployment rate, like, like it's all conflicting. It's like, Every month we've had, oh, okay, so 300,000 less new jobs than we thought last month. But the unemployment rate dropped half a percent, like um, labor force participation rate, um, you know, not factoring people that are underemployed or, you know, are that unemployed and not in the labor force count. So uh, it seems that's a good point because it, it is hard to make sense of the employment picture in America. It's, clearly, there's been a lot of movement, a lot of people quitting jobs and going to new jobs. Um, and you know, the labor department and the federal government will tell you like, we're almost back to full employment, but it's tough to get a full picture on it. It really is. So, yeah, it, it definitely is. And, you know, more people are going towards, you know, gig jobs, you know, what can they do? And I know, you know, you know, lockdowns and what we all went through over the last two years has really affected a lot of people in the way that they look at employment, look at how they they earn livings. And um, just a lot of stuff that I see is it's very interesting because I think it just seems like there's just been a really great cultural. I say great. I don't necessarily mean great, but a, a big cultural shift over the last two years. And I think we're still starting to see how that's falling out and really what that's going to look like for us long term going forward and, and how people view employment in, in the greater span of their lives. 
This is the last week in mortgage today. I got about eight, nine minutes left with Loan People COO, Aaron D, uh, going through the news headlines. And and let's get a little bit into just the general business climate. Uh, We saw a lot of big mortgage companies grow quickly, go public, announce plans to go public over the course of the last 18 months. And as we kind of predicted, as that was happening, like the second volume falls off the table, Right here come the layoffs. Right, all the people that left great companies like Loan People, you know, for an extra ten thousand dollars to go work for Better.com, you know, might have been fired over Zoom a month ago. So it's a different dynamic now. Um, people can work from anywhere. Uh, you've had a lot of big companies that went public and scaled before doing so. It's kind of a different dynamic right now in the mortgage industry. You guys are headquartered in Austin. Do a lot of your business in Texas. You can hire people anywhere. I'm assuming that a lot of your people are remote now. Uh, You know, you've always been an operations leader in the industry. We just welcome your perspective on, you know, kind of the new normal with employment and uh, how our industry manufactures loans today as compared to in the past. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I guess I would say I've, I'm enough of an industry vet to know that we all saw this coming last year, right? We all knew that that this was going to happen. Um, It's, it's what happens and it's why, you know, when, we we do what we can when we can because you never know when things are going to dry up and you know it's good for companies like us who we're growing uh we're actually got we'll be doing more business this year than we did last year um because now we're able to go pick up those people a lot a lot easier it's a lot easier for us to hire as a new company during the pandemic it was really hard for us to hire people because you know we didn't have the names of you know a prime lending or you know a better or whatever behind us you know a name that people knew so it was really a challenge for us it's gotten a lot easier for us to hire um you know i think that obviously technology and i'm hearing more and more people making use of bots and automation and efficiency and you know it's definitely changing the way we work and the number of people that need to do a job um you know, and it's just, it, it's one of those things where we're seeing resumes for people come across that, you know, were just laid off from a larger company. I won't name names, but, you know, prior to that, they were working as a cashier somewhere, or, you know, they had a job that was completely out of the industry and they're coming over as a senior processor with, you know, 18 months worth of experience. So, you know, a lot of people just found bodies to fill spots when they needed to. Um, other companies, I think, were more innovative. And I think that our, you know, the challenges that we experience as a smaller, lesser known company in hiring people allowed us to be a little more creative in terms of how we're using automation. You're right. We have people all over the country. I think we have, we have people in more states than we're licensed in, if that makes sense. <laughs> you know, we don't, geography is not an issue for us. If my people want to live in, in Bora Bora, go for it. You know, as long as you can work and you know, not have your password stolen. It's great. Um, so, you know, that's allowed us to really open the expanse of the talent pool. And, you know, we just, us, and I know a lot of other companies out there are just getting as creative as possible so that we can try to be a little more level set and not have to go through that massive hiring. And because nobody wants to train up 50 people at the same exact time and nobody wants to let go 50 people at the same exact time. So we've really been focused on what can we do to make the process more efficient so that we don't have to do that and can be more, more level and a little less, uh, a little less cyclical. Again, well said. One of the huge, just inherent challenges of our industry is it's cyclical and without warning or notice. We're behested, you know, to a large degree to government policy, some of which you get some foreshadowing on, and interest rates, which interest rates could go up 50 basis points 
before this show is over. Like, you know, and it would have a massive impact on our industry. Very, very few other industries where, you know, some of them are seasonal or cyclical to a certain degree, um, retail and shopping, things like that. But, uh, and, you know, in the mortgage industry, historically winters are slower than, than summers just because people buy less homes typically. But uh, it is a challenge in the industry. And, uh, but, you know, a lot of innovative companies like you guys are doing what you're doing and making a lot of moves and have been uh, leading up to this point to kind of even out the highs and lows because mm-hmm. uh, nobody likes those. It's when you, you know, like two falls ago, like, oh, my God, we're so busy. We need 30 people or like, you know, now where companies that didn't manage growth properly are just laying off waves of people. So it uh should make for an interesting start to 2022 um, because it's been hard for anybody to go anywhere, really, these last 18 months. I mean, if you're an originator, you're carrying a huge pipeline. Uh, we saw a lot of operational movement, you know, especially towards the beginning of the real busy part of the pandemic, but uh, could see a lot of movement from people, company to company. I was just talking about this with yeah. our team on a team call this morning. We have 261 members and it's like, but we have, you know, we have good members. We got companies like loan people that see the forest through the trees are very proactive. And I said, our members are the ones that are going to be hiring people from some of these lesser, worse companies, worse run companies that somebody's been dying to leave for a year, but just couldn't. And I think this winter, you're going to see a lot of movement. Yeah, I, I agree. I think on the operation side and on the sales side, I think you're going to, you're going to see that. And, um, you know, we're, we're happy to welcome home any, any good, mortgage professional that would like to join us. <laughs> oh, just a couple of minutes left uh, with Aaron D of Lone People. Aaron, what else? 2022, the year that is ahead of us. Uh, uh, we've touched on a lot of emerging topics and issues that lenders have top of mind right now. Uh, anything else that you guys are really focused on uh, as we get into the uh, new year here? Uh, you know, for us, it's just continual process improvement, continually looking at what it is that we're doing. How can we do it better? How can we do it more efficiently? How can we continue to keep margins low? You know, we built our company on the margins of 2018 um, and we want to keep it that way. You know, we, we've, we've maintained those margins because we knew it was going to get skinny again. So um, just how do we continue to keep those margins so we can deliver a good rate to our consumer? Um, and, you know, also this is just very timely and just because any day it could drop is just interested to see what's going to happen with that Supreme Court rule on the, the OSHA mandate. Um, that's also kind of top of mind. We're in a holding pattern for what we're going to do as a company for that. Um, so, you know, those are my two immediate things that come to mind. I know a lot of our members uh, have that top of mind. We've got a lot of inquiries about that. How, you know, I think I've just been telling members, like, I think everybody's just waiting on the Supreme Court ruling and how that's going to go down. <clears throat> a lot of our members have gone remote. You know, you know, like our we're t- with our company, we're talking about like we're all remote, and you know, like our CEO is like, oh, do we need to have some kind of policy. I'm like, no, we don't need it. Like everybody's remote. Like we don't need anything really. You know, it's uh, but something that's top of mind with lenders and something I know is top of mind with you is the Tampa Bay Bucks game Sunday against the Eagles. Uh, you know, Antonio Brown went crazy last week. Godwin's hurt, a little banged up, but yeah. I mean, I'll just put it this way. I I've got a little, a little action eight to one Tampa to win it all. I, that seems like a little too long odds for me for uh, Tom Brady and, 
the defending champs? You know, uh, it, it does, um, but, you know, that's okay. I'll take it. I will be in person at that game. I'm really excited. Uh, I'm also a, a University of Central Florida Knight, and we've got – we have Perryman on the team, and he's made some really great plays. I'm excited about it. Um, I loved <laughs> all of the memes that have come out of the Antonio Brown fiasco, specifically the the one of, of why mortgage companies verify employment right before closing. <laughs> it's one of my favorite ones of the year so far. So, you know, I have confidence. This is Tom Brady. You know, you can, you can never count him out. Um, they haven't had the best season ever, but we've got Gronk back and he's healthy again. So I, I have full faith and confidence that at, at Ray J, they're going to they're going to bring it to the next next round. Listen, I, what they end up 13 and four with all the injuries they had and, uh, you know, just being the defending champs and having the target on your back. I thought that was a, hell and of a tough week. schedule and a tough schedule. It's first place schedule. And so it should be interesting. I'm, I'm really hoping for the NFC championship game rematch between Tampa Bay and Green Bay. That would be maybe the highest rated non-Super Bowl ever. It was one of the highest rated games ever last year when Rodgers lost his third straight championship game. So uh, we'll see what happens, but good luck to your box. I'm kind of pulling for him in the NFC because I have money on him. So. Well, there you go. I'll take yeah. it. We'll take all the support we can get, whatever, whatever the, the reason. <laughs> Aaron, always enjoy talking about the mortgage industry with you. Really appreciate you joining me again as co-host this week. And all the best to you and loan people here in 2022. My pleasure. Thanks to you and the TMC fam. And to all of our attendees, thank you as always for spending 30 minutes of your week with us. We will be here every Tuesday all year, 2 p.m. Eastern with the last week in mortgage today. Also can find us on YouTube where we upload these videos after the fact and where most of you listen on podcast. So looking forward to another great year of uh, bringing some of the best and brightest from our network uh, into your home offices via Zoom each Tuesday. And uh, until next Tuesday, have a great rest of the week, everyone. Take care. Bye, Aaron. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. <laughs> For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.